My family, it was at Friday night, we watched the, it's called Hunting Monsters, apparently it's a game. And um, it was quite a fun movie in that, that it gave you an idea of the other realm, like there's another realm there. And this lady who's a ranger, special forces, suddenly gets whipped up with her team into this whole other dimension, and she's got to figure out who her enemy is, she's got to figure out the new terrain, she's also got to figure out who her friends are. And um, this morning, I was just realizing in worship that that is what happens to us when we get whipped up into spiritual warfare. There's a few things we have to figure out. So last week we figured out who our friends are, like who in Jesus. Like we also got to figure out the terrain that we're on is different. This is not against flesh and blood. It's not a, a physical war. This is a spiritual war. And then we got to figure out not only how the enemy works, but how to defeat the enemy. So today I'm going to talk about protection. Okay, so Leisha had mentioned that we all may feel like we're in a disarray in terms of our, our weapon or our armor. Believe you me, I have been in a state where I've had nothing and felt naked and ashamed and vulnerable. Then I've had like one or two. And then I think slowly but surely I'm learning how to wear all of my armor. I'm not saying that I've got it all done. We're all learning in this. All right, so... Last week, blah, 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 spiritual warfare part two. <laughs> and that's just to keep you on track, all right? Okay, so we have a call to be equipped, right? Um, so, is this the right? Guys, I've loaded the wrong one. Yeah, it helps if you put your glasses on when you load up stuff, ne? Part two, yeah, Ella, don't laugh at me. Where'd it go? Oh, good golly. Oh, there it is. Wow. Talk about panic there, huh? Talk about being prepared, right? Okay. All right. Now I've got the right one. <laughs> Isn't that funny? All right. So last week I introduced Jesus as our warrior king. He was the... He is the master of all. He is our Messiah who answers our question and the issues with humanity that we have because of the fall, through his death, his resurrection, and now his life. He is the one who makes us who we are. And through God's measurable mighty power, Jesus overcomes. And then he reclaims the keys of death and then he delegates now to us. He's seated in heaven and because our destiny and, and purpose is now linked to God's kingdom and who God is, and then God promises us, he provides us everything. Not some stuff. We are provided with everything to live a godly life. That, that is challenging because it feels like at times you don't have everything, right? Okay. Yet, because of Holy Spirit, we can stand empowered in Christ's victory. Right. So we are drafted into this war. Like that lady in the movie, she got whipped up into something that she initially wasn't prepared for, although she had trained beforehand being a, uh, a ranger. So whether you believe in the spiritual realm or not, whether you believe in demons or not, whether you believe Christians can 
be influenced or possessed or oppressed or whatever the word is that you have an understanding of or not, there is still a spiritual war and you are still involved. So, sorry guys. The thing is, God has provided a complete armor for you. And I know everybody's feeling very uncomfortable now because I'm talking about demons and I'm talking about possession. And that's okay. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. The spiritual war is not a comfortable environment. But that's okay. We're going to learn. And together we're going to become a warrior nation for Jesus, right? Michael Eaton says that we have a call to be equipped. We first have to trust him to give us strength, but then we need to do certain things. The battle is the Lord's, but we have to fight it as well. It is God's battle, but he strengthens us to fight for him. So we have to do certain things, and Paul calls it putting on our armor. So it's not like I said last week, you're not called to your father's ship, you know, a yacht where you get to like this is an army. I know some guys have been drafted into the army way back when. And I'm sure it was, hey Bruce, it was wonderful. You went, you had wonderful sleep. You woke up like whenever you felt like it, refreshed. It was wonderful. Basic training was awesome, hey? Okay, so our basic training isn't about our comfort. It's about how prepared we are to meet the enemy. Our basic training isn't about, oh shame, you're having a bad day. Mm. <laughs> Moms are laughing, hey, because this is how our kids come and go, oh, Mom, I'm having such a bad day. Oh, darling, suck it up, buttercup. Well, that's the kind of mom I am. Last week, Dylan came to me and said, Mom, you're quite scary. I'm like, good, be scared of me. <laughs> okay, so there's an element. So, yes, our identity, who we are. We are priests. We come into the presence of God, our sanctuary, and we are safe there. We don't need armor. That's where we are vulnerable. That's where we are. We sit and we allow Father God to strengthen us in who we are. But Paul mentioned, is it Paul? Where are you? Hi. Oh, you're hiding in the back. You mentioned that uh, it's actually John Paul Jackson, Paulie, not Bill Johnson. So John Paul Jackson wrote a book called, I think it's him, About the Snake Line. So snakes, enemy, can't live. It's inhabit, inhabitable for them to live above a certain elevation line. So we go up into the mountain to restore, to be with God. It's beautiful. It's lovely. We get loved on. But we don't stay there in a sense that we've got to come back. We have an, a mandate. We've got to march. Okay, there's a call to be equipped for that. So we get equipped and then we go. We get equipped, we go. We become weary, we recover, but we still go. All right. I do love you guys. Stop looking at me like that. (laughs) You all look scared. All right. So I've got there, it says, what are you talking about? Metaphors. You know, in Jesus' day, in the Bible day, they love to use metaphors. But we don't always necessarily understand the full metaphor because we're not living in those times, so sometimes biblical metaphors kind of fall flat. So I'm going to help unpack why Paul was talking about the Roman army. One, it was he was right there. He was in Rome. Hello. There was army everywhere. He was in jail. Kind of had a look at these guys and had um, able to 
look up close and personal at what they were doing, how they were doing it. But there's also some unknowns that they knew that we got to know about the Roman army. Okay, so this is equipping. This is digging into scripture, going into the time, the context of the day, so that we can understand what God is trying to, what spiritual truth God wants us to hear. It's to stimulate our thinking. Yes, we, when we get saved, we still have a brain. We are supposed to use it. Okay. He doesn't want dwarf Christians. Sorry. Or lazy ones. We've got to think. Okay. So I'm stop insulting you. All right. Ephesians 6. This is from verse 13. So therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and Yes, shoes for your feet, very important. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Not the sword of faith, it's a shield. Sorry, I got it mixed up this morning. Um, The helm which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, like what Roger was talking about, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then you pray for each other so that we can be bold. Right. So his language is quite... Um, oh, okay, there. <clears throat> his language is quite like all or nothing. So he seems to indicate that if you have the armor of God, you will be protected from all. The enemy. If you stand in the right way with the right armor, you will be protected. And then it says, in all circumstances, you are to stand. So there's quite a strong language. It's not like sometimes, okay, guys, this is a promise, but it's hinged on conditions. So we have a part to play. Last week we discussed our part that we didn't play, that God gave us everything. But now we got to come to the party. We've got, we got our marching orders. Now we've got to figure out what they are and how we get dressed and ready for this. So, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, stand firm. So we are called to oppose and withstand. This is an endurance word. This is like, hey guys, if you're going to do everything, just make sure you do it all. Stand. This is not like what Gary is saying, a passive standing. You know, like your teenagers. Sorry, guys. That's not the stand. There's something about a soldier who's been in battle who's constantly alert, and we'll unpack that. So there's an alertness that God is asking us to be in the spirit that's like, come, guys, wake up, because you've got to stand. And you're standing to attention. Who are you standing to attention to? King Jesus. Cool. All right. So, Roman army. You know me, I've always got to find facts and stuff. Okay. So, for a thousand years, so before Jesus was born, and a thousand years, I don't know the dates. I'm sure Roger probably would be able to tell me. But for a thousand years, the Roman army was formidable. Like, if 
they were afraid of the Romans. And there were a couple of reasons why. So first of all, they're extremely well organized. If you look at any kind of, not picture, but like drawing of how they formate, like how they did their formations, they went in these cohorts and blah, blah, and legions and what, what not, extremely organized. Everyone knew their place. They were well equipped. They had good armor. They had good weaponry. They were well protected. The individual and the group and the the legion, which a legion was about 6,000 men. So we're talking a lot of guys. Can you imagine feeding them? Good golly. They were known for their discipline. And they were known for their loyalty. They were also known for their adjustability. So they were, what they would do is hit a, a new enemy and then they would adjust their armor and their tactics to meet the enemy. And they knew their objective. And their main objective was take new land, take new ground. They kind of knew what they were going to do. So they not only took ground and took land, but then they occupied it as well. They were well known for that as well. So these guys, this thing full of. So, verse 14 and 15. Now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the verses. Stand therefore, again, stand, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, I forgot to highlight that, which is given by the readiness of the gospel of peace. So Michael Eaton, actually, just to go back, he says that what Paul does is, out of the six pieces of armor, he lumps them into two different categories. So these three, the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes, are all in one lump like one category. And the category is that the assumption is that this is something that's been put on you and you keep it on you. This is what you live with in your everyday life. Your belt. Now, this is so interesting. The belt actually wasn't any form of identif- um, protection. You've got these weird guys who do battle reenactments. Have you seen them? And they, they've done some testing to see how much protection the belt gave. Sorry, guys, it gave nothing. <laughs> so the belt was specifically a means of identification. They decorated it with lots of bits and pieces, you can see. And um, what happened was that when these guys... So the, the, the Romans, soldiers and citizens, their clothing was the same under their armor. The first distinction was the belt, so that identified to the rest of the civilians that even though the guy may not have his sword and his helmet and all that, he was still a Roman soldier. And the reason they could tell was this thing was quite heavy because of all the bits and pieces they put on it. It actually made a sound, a very distinct sound. And they said it was like jingly. <laughs> like they used that word, all the academics. It jingled, like keys. But then it changed their walk because, you know, it's wrapped around your hips, your center of gravity. So they actually had to walk differently because of this, this belt. And then it was so much so that if you were dishonorably discharged, they would remove your belt, remove the identification. You're no longer a soldier. God doesn't do that to us, though. The enemy wants us to remove it. So our belt of truth is the basis of our identity is the gospel, 
That's what we wrap ourselves around with every day. It marks us as different and distinct from the rest of the world. And the gospel should change our sound, the resonance, and it should change our walk. I'm jumping ahead of myself. This tells the world because of the sound that we bring is different. The way we walk out our lives is different. It's the truth of the gospel and it changes us. And we're also called to guard it and we're called to walk in it, walk in the truth of the gospel. So we're told to stand in this verse. It says having stand. You, you need to stand in this. This is our spiritual fitness. This is like, like training or basics 101. So, Bruce, like in training, they taught you how to get fit, right? I mean, they made you get fit whether you wanted to or not. But then it was up to you to maintain your fitness. If you were permanently in the army, these guys had certain things that they did on their own every day. It's our own personal responsibility to maintain our spiritual fitness. This word that they use, that standing, is actually a verb. It's an endurance. It's a state of readiness for action. See, the army's not going to dress you every day. It gives you your, your uniform, but it's not going to walk in the room and say, morning, sunshine. What clothes would you like to wear today? Ha'a. God's like, here's your army, I mean your armor, here's your uniform. Figure out how to wear it. I'm going to show you, I'm going to help you practice, I'm going to put you in training, but it's your responsibility. How do you get dressed in the morning? I'm so tired of some of these religious things that they're like, okay, every morning before you get out of bed, make sure that you put your belt on and then you put your breastplate on. It's not that. But there's an element of how ready are you in your heart and your mind, your understanding of your, that you're not only a son, but you're, an, you're a soldier. And how much you are expected to take on that responsibility of how ready to be going out in the world. In 2 John, the whole book points us to truth, which is Jesus, and then encourages us, never let it go. It's our personal requirement to wrap, like I said, the gospel, ourselves in the gospel. What it means, it even tells us, I think there's some verse that says, preach the gospel to yourself. So our personal individual responsibilities actively wrap this word of God around our hearts so that our mindset, what girds us, what gives us strength, and then we cherish that. The breastplate. Okay, so they had a whole bunch of different ones because these guys modified it continually. At the time that Paul was... In it, they had this particular one, and then they had the chain mail one, but that was 
more expensive one, so that wasn't as ready available. This one is actually quite a complex piece of equipment. But in certain circumstances, it provided the greatest protection. So because of the overlapping of the steel, it was impenetrable to most direct hits or missiles. You're talking like flaming arrows and stuff that they shot. And it protected your vital organs. Um, It was quite compact. They were able to dismantle it, and then it packed up quite small, so they could carry it with them wherever they went. And easily to carry. It was quite flexible in that they could move. It did limit their movement, but there was quite a bit of movement allowed. And then it covered, obviously, their front, the back, and their shoulders. So this is our righteousness in Jesus. We put on. Jesus is our personal armor. It's a free gift. We step into that. We stand, literally, the Bible tells us, we stand in his righteousness. It's the state of our heart as a result of that. So your positioning of standing is quite confident. Why? Because you know you're protected in Jesus' righteousness. Then, because of that, it starts to change the way you live out your life. Now, they believe that the chest area was where the emotions were stored. Right? Your heart, when you get a fright, your breathing changes, your heart starts racing. So they believe that it was the seat of their emotions was their chest. Jesus' righteousness covers and protects our emotions, fear, panic. Yesterday I was like, okay, God. I stand in your righteousness. Ella came up to me. It was profound. And um, obviously she could see I was upset once. So I'm quite good in an emergency, but then afterwards I'm like, oh. So I did feel a bit wobbly afterwards, you know, that adrenaline rush thing. And Ella came up to me. She gave me a big hug. And then she said to me, you know, Mom, if anything happens to Grandpa today, we know where he is. There's a 12-year-old. Not something I necessarily wanted to hear, but it was something that brought me to my emotions. I knew that he was covered in Jesus' righteousness. No matter what happens, I know where he's going. Help me with my emotions, the state of my heart. It also gives us gives us rank, but it it's, it's Jesus' rank. He delegates that to us. Neil Anderson, from, he writes two books, which I recommend everybody to, to read. This is his second book called The Bondage Breaker. And he says, God is saying to his children, for your spiritual protection, get in rank and follow me. You see, our shoulders, our rank, our authority is covered in Jesus When we try and step outside of that, we get hurt. That's when we get hurt. We get in rank. We stay in his righteousness. We stay covered and protected in him. And he protects our hearts. doesn't mean it will go perfectly. doesn't mean we won't get affected. But we will get protected. We surrender to his reign. We surrender to his 
way of doing warfare. We surrender to him as king. So the next one. Shoes. I wore these shoes because I love them and I'm so happy it's cold because then I get to wear my shoes. Last year because of lockdown I didn't get to wear any of my nice, Jordan knows how I'm feeling, any of my nice winter wear. So I was very excited this morning. So the shoes. Now these Roman shoes are fuggly. I'm sorry. There's no ways. <laughs> they, were, they were built for wear. They were built for uh, protection. So they covered their feet, and it helped them to walk over different terrain, from mud to stone. It protected their feet from those long, long marches. And then what they did was, in the soles of the shoe, they embedded it with bits, studs of steel or metal. So what it did was, like, I've got, these are rubber. I've got grip. Should have grip. So the steel gave them grip. So when you're standing sometimes and you're enduring, you got grip. It also, with the belt of truth and the combination of the shoes, gave them that sound because of the steel. So they were literally seen. No, sorry, I'm going to get it all mixed up. They were literally heard before they were seen as soldiers. Can you imagine? Now, Dale said to me, go and find like a, a, a video clip of the sound of the Roman army marching. So can you imagine? Just close your eyes and picture. You've got formations, rank. Close your eyes. And you hear something, an army marching. You're going to hear it, and it's going to create fear in you. What's amazing is they sounded like one, but there were many of them because they stayed in rank. They stayed in formation. And that alone was part of the opposition. That alone was part of the taking ground. It was literally them marching in formation, wearing their shoes and their belts. Come on, as a church, let's do that to the enemy. Let him hear us marching, taking ground. And before we even get there, they're starting to tremble. This is how we shift atmospheres. Because our purpose is a long obedience in the same direction as our king. We march to his drumbeat. We march in his formation. We march in his rank. And we wait on our king for orders. We don't break rank. You see, to the enemy, that sound brings fear. But to those who we are fighting for, that sound brings peace. And when we walk our talk, we become a more effective witness. And it allows us to freely walk, actually, ironically. And it makes us ready to advance. Come on, church, let's get information. All right, in all circumstances. So now we on. So we dealt with the the piece, three pieces of armor that they were required in Paul's mind to wear all the time. So in many ways, it didn't matter whether you had a sword or you're fighting or whatever. It was your 
atmosphere of who you are in Christ that changes things, right? So now we're going to deal with pieces of armor that we're told to take up, take on, put on, shield. So take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Don't you like this picture? See, our faith is not supposed to be individual. So, check out that picture. This was the size of a door. Probably the Roman doors were a little bit smaller than us, but it was big enough that a man could hide behind it. But he was only protected from one side. So their formation, that was called the tortoise, quite ironically. You see, this was only, uh, their shields were far more effective. This is where the magic kind of came into being, was that in rank, in formation, in community, we hold up our shields. Communities protected. The enemy can trot on us, but he doesn't touch us. And, and I did read in some of the, but not all of the stuff, almost mentioned that on the, there's like steel, uh, copper borders, they had little hooks. So the, the shields were, had an ability to hook into each other. So our faith is meant to hook into each other. Our faith is meant to like not only protect you as an individual, but those on either side of you. And you weren't if 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 somebody broke that wall of shield, then the enemy could get in. So it was a place of where you hide together as a community. We are called to hide under our shields of faith in community. And actually what's interesting is those guys in the middle, although the, the horse in the middle is obviously causing some kind of pain and torment there, but for the ones in the front, if you go back to the tortoise one, the guys at the back, so they used to rotate them. And, and the, the key, the beauty of the Roman army is they knew that when people needed to rest, so they would rotate them. They never required the guy in the front to be in the front the whole time. And I've seen this in community. I saw it yesterday. Where Gary stepped up for me. Charmaine stepped up for me. And they took their shield so that I could rest for today. People praying for me. Ange, Leash, people. So then I went to the back. And I got a bit of a rest from the, the onslaught so that I could stand here strong today. I didn't do this on my own. If it wasn't for Gary... Shaman, you guys praying, I wouldn't be here today. That's community. That's what our faith is designed to do. It's the most amazing thing. So our faith is best used in our community. Because together we provide protection on all sides. And too often I see people when we, are, when we need to rest... 
We sometimes withdraw. I know I do that. Yesterday, it was hard to ask for help. It was, it was hard to say, okay, Gary, you go take my dad when I wanted to be the one. I didn't want to step back, but I knew how important today was. Not that I'm important, but the job that God wants me to do today. So I had to let go. <laughs> I had to step back, but I stepped in behind them. I didn't withdraw and isolate myself. And that's allowed me some rest. Chocolate does help as well, just saying. So maybe at the back we have chocolate. Okay, chocolate helped a lot, but I mean, that's part of the rest. You, you know, you, in order to rest, you've got to get nourishment, chocolate. <laughs> the helmet of salvation. Now, this is an interesting one because we're told that our salvation is nothing to do with us. God raised us up from the dead. You can't undead yourself. So why are we told to take the helmet of salvation and put it on in battle? It's actually not the helmet of salvation. It's the helmet of hope or expectation of our salvation. We're told in Psalms, it's the Passion Translation, to keep hope alive. So how does the enemy come at you? Through our thoughts, our thoughts lines, or some somebody said something, and because of where you're at, you take it as an attack. We got to keep hope alive of who we are and whose we are, and that it's not because of what we've done; it's because of what He's done. So, in the battle, we got to keep hope alive. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, it says, but since we belong to the day, that's the light that Annalisa was talking about, we must stay alert and clear-headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts, but the helmet of hope of salvation over your thoughts. So yesterday, I had to keep hope alive. Okay. God's got this. He's got my dad. I may not be the one who can be there for him, but he's got my dad. Keep hope alive. I know where he's going if, if death was to take him. I also know God loves my dad. He loves me. Keep hope alive. You see, accusations, the enemy's power is in the, not in the actual lie, but it's in our partnering with the belief of that lie. So if we get hit by an arrow of an accusation, are we partnering with it? See, our armor goes, no, that's not what God says who I am. No, that's not true. So we've got to keep a helmet. We've got to keep hope alive. Jesus He's our hope. And what's interesting about the helmet, oh gosh, I'm so behind with my, see. It, it was also means a protection, um, identity. And if you saw some of the ones that got these funny red plume things that goes up, it actually was a form of intimidation to the enemy. Why? It made them feel taller and bigger than what they were. You see, when we in Jesus and when we stand in his hope, 
we appear taller to the enemy. Why? Because they don't see us, they see him. You see, the hope of salvation is that this gives us confidence and an assurance that in our present struggles with Satan, it's not going to last forever. We will be victorious. Why? Because we get to go to be with Jesus in heaven one day. You see, my dad, if he was to pass away, and obviously I'm on this side of his death, so it's, I come with a certain point of view. But that knowing that I know where he's going should keep my hope alive. I may miss him desperately. But God. And the helmet almost limits your vision as a, so it limits, it covers your ears, so it's going to limit what you hear, and it limits what you see. If you saw that tortoise formation, the guys in the front only had a limited um, vision. Helmet, the hope limits our vision to fix our eyes solely on Jesus. It covers our ears from the attack of the enemy, so we don't hear what the, the enemy is saying. They could only hear within the realm of where they were at. Keeps hope alive. Keep going. That tortoise formation was a slow but steady advance on the enemy. They had another one called the wedge. That's a different kind of fighting. And that one went, used to spear into the enemy's kind of ground, and then the tortoise would come behind, occupy. You see, the enemy, his works are designed, like, so it comes through temptation, it comes through accusation, and it comes through deception. So his arrows are designed to fill us with doubt. It's designed to fill us with fear. And that enables him access. That enable, why? Because when we're full of doubt and when we're full of fear, we're going to break rank. We're going to run away. But the lie is, if we believe and partner with the lie that Satan is more powerful than God, he has already won that ground. Then we become discouraged and we grow weary in our fight and we forget our destiny. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on hope, the sword. Okay. My, I'm way behind my... <laughs> the sword, our only offensive weapon. Everything else is designed to protect us. This is the only thing that is designed to cause pain. I think sometimes, though, we use it against people and not the enemy. Let us you learn like Jesus in the desert. He didn't respond out of fear or doubt. He just said, this is what the word says. Boom. This is what the word says. Boom. This is what God says. We need to know the word in order to know how to use it. So we don't read into scripture. We read from scripture. Scripture is an authority that is over us. We don't stand on it. It's our authority. We surrender to God's authority, to God's word. We place ourselves... Oh, gosh, I just did something. I don't like... 
this thing. The, I like the mouse. <laughs> so we personally need to get to know how to use our weapon. Each handle was distinct and different. Um, so we each have a distinct way of using the word of God. But the word is the word. Hebrews says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates into even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So if we come under the word of God, we surrender to him, the enemy can't cut us because we've already surrendered ourselves into the word. God's already done the judgment of our thoughts and where our hearts and motives are at. So when we come to fighting... He doesn't have a place. Like the enemy didn't have his way over Jesus because there was no point of entry. So we've got to surrender ourselves into the word so we can use the word against the enemy. See, through God's word, we are able to distinguish between right and wrong. The world today, it's so confusing. Who's right? Who's wrong? What is right? What is truth? Our only weapon of understanding Truth and what is right and wrong is through the word of God. And today, out of more than anywhere else in our time, we need to learn, read, go through, memorize God's word. Why that when it comes to practicing off the spot, when we're on the spot, we can go, Holy Spirit will help us to remember, and then we can go, Nope, enemy, that's not what God says. Sorry for you. So yes, the enemy does have power. He does have some jurisdiction. But he doesn't have it over us. We're in a different kingdom. We advancing onto him. He hates God. He hates God's word. He hates Jesus and he really hates us. Because why? Because we're God's people. So let us... Take on and put on these things. Let us learn. Let us be disciplined soldiers where our spiritual formation becomes something that we learn to practice in every day so that we're ready for the battle. So we can march as a community and take ground because we're certainly not called to settle. We have hope. Hope is in Jesus' victory. So the good news is that the opposition is resistible. Now, everybody likes to quote that verse in James, I think it's James 4, 7. It says, if you resist the enemy, he will flee. We forget about the first part. Submit first to God. Submit first to him. Submit first to God. Then you can resist the enemy. We get it mixed up. We resist him and we haven't submitted and surrendered to God. So, basic training. Submit first to God. Practice off the spot. Know your weaponry. Know your armor. Know who you are, your identity. Then you resist and he will flee. That's our strength. So, this last verse, well, I don't know why it's 12. <sighs> I always miss these things. Sorry, guys. 
praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. It's just him summing up the whole thing again. Spiritual formation. So praying in the Spirit builds up our spirits, makes us strong. And then it says, with all prayer and supplication. Then we pray for others. If you go and read it, it talks about how then you must pray for him. Like he asked for prayer. And the only thing that Paul asked for in terms of prayer is for boldness. So he doesn't say, guys, ask for me for strength to do the battle. No, 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 no. He's asked, pray for me for boldness so I can preach the gospel. So what we do is we pray in the spirit. We learn, like Adam Thompson, to pray and build up our spirit, man. So we're strong. Then we pray for each other for boldness. We intercede. We stand in the gap for those who are struggling. And then we stay alert so that we can persevere. 